Anyway, we uh, will continue on with the study of First Thessalonians, and we're looking at a model church and a model pastor, a model servant. And what what we see in this text here is we see right into the pastor's heart in this text, and this is how a pastor or any Christian, for that matter, um, really should um, feel for their brothers and sisters. And and in, and uh, that are in Christ, and of course we go deep. I believe into the heart of Paul here to see he had a genuine concern. We see that quite frequently, but uh, his real concern is their growth and the strengthening. And uh, he's been saying that throughout Thessalonians, and um, he knows that when a person trusts Christ, uh, whenever. Spirit of God has come into them and they become converted. They're born into the family of God. They're babes in Christ. And remember, um, this church at Thessalonica is a really new church whenever he's writing this letter. Uh, He had been there just a short while. Babies need to grow, right? He has to leave. Uh, He has has been run out of town. And um, you have babies there. They've been given a good foundation but they need to crawl and after they crawl they need to be able to stand and they need to be able to walk, right? And Paul is really concerned about there needs to be somebody there to help them get there to that next level. And you remember Thessalonians has already talked about a spiritual mother and a spiritual father. And for that matter, how often do we see brethren, brothers, right? So we're talking a family of God here. And he's a spiritual parent. He knows that's what he is to them, to these young believers. And so wouldn't you too, if you had led somebody to, uh, to Christ and then you didn't have a chance to follow up with them, wouldn't you be concerned about them? Wouldn't you be praying for them You know, if you don't get a chance to see them? But you'd be really concerned about all the things that can come against them and... Uh, maybe their the maturity wouldn't uh, develop, their their faith wouldn't develop, and they wouldn't be as stable as you would want them to be and mature. So this is and this is a repeated emphasis all throughout this chapter and actually through through this book here. But he's showing his pastoral concern, and uh, of course then I I, I think of um, uh, think of Alan there, and I think of our, our young guys here around. You know that. That really, you know, touch base with uh, other people, and they have a heart to share with the Lord. And you know, when you when you think about that, it's like this is the kind of heart that we want to develop for not only the people in our immediate church, but people who uh, who are lost. But um, we we definitely want to see people um, trust the Lord and then grow in Him. So anyway, it's it it is good for anybody to know that um, this is how Paul felt. This is how a pastor feels. And when you get involved in doing ministry, and if that's what your livelihood is, if that's what you do, uh, any kind of uh, young people need to know that it's an all the time responsibility. It's uh, not just uh, when we come together to. Uh, preach or teach the word but um, it's it's a time that is it's constant 
And sometimes it takes devastation, it, it can take hurt, it can take a, a wounding. Um, one who ministers is open to all sorts of vulnerability, but the response out of all of this is tremendous joy. It's great joy. And of course, if we were to back up in at the end of chapter 2, we see this in verse 19, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. So it's worth it all. We say all those terms. It sounds negative. It's not. But it's something to expect. It's part of the ministry. Uh, that's that's the way it is because um, uh, the Gospel is challenged constantly, isn't it? We're always... Um, having some kind of battle against it because it is really who Christ is. And He said these kind of things would constantly go on. So that's that's where it's at. That's where we've been and kind of where we're going in this section that we're at. Uh, not a whole lot of things here that are new, but uh, certainly reminders that um, should spur us on in uh, the, our daily walk with the Lord and growing in the Lord and in our ministry. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank You. Thank You for who You are. We know it's all about You. It's uh, certainly not about us, but it's about You, Your Gospel, Your truth. And uh, Lord, help us to uphold it. Help us to be strong. Help us to be encouraged. Uh, it's encouraging to see Your people uh, here tonight to be able to um, discuss Your Word, be able to uh, understand a little bit further who Christ is. It's uh, all encouraging to us. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit who guides us into truth. Thank You for this Word. And may we see how You work through Paul and also through others that ministered with him and as it extends all out to all the church, all the believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, our, uh, our chapters, chapter 3, and uh, we're at uh, verse 1 and 2 and 3, 4. starts off with therefore, and we just read kind of the precursor to this right at the end of chapter 2. Uh, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the Gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Oh, that says a lot, doesn't it? That talks about um, talks about the walks that uh, Christians have. Especially that last verse kind of sums it all up. And uh, we can certainly get tempted by the tempter. We certainly don't want God's labor that He has to go in vain, do we? And uh, so we thank the Lord for this uh, this passage. He starts off with, Therefore... Um, Paul is really telling them that he's not a charlatan. He's not on the take. Uh, he is truly genuine, isn't he? And he is showing it all the way through. Thessalonians are, are believing that. Uh, you might have therefore. You might have so then. It connects with uh, the preceding verse, the preceding chapter. 
where the apostle expressed his care for the Thessalonians, and um, that's where he says, "You are hope and joy, your crown, you are glory and, and joy." Um, therefore, is because of his concern, his love for them, um, is because of this concern that there is no way that he could abandon them in their spiritual growth. Here's the problem. He's away from them physically. They don't have phones. How are they going to connect? Well, they do have a connection because he will send certain people, namely one of them being Timothy. Quite frequently he used Timothy to go back to Thessalonica. And of course that's what he's saying here in the first uh, couple of verses. And that's uh, quite quite revealing because he got so concerned, and I use the word worried, you know, in a in a loose sense, because we're not to worry, but there's a spiritual anxiety there, I guess you could say, for their welfare. So since we have that basis, let's go back to chapter one, verse two. Here's Paul. Here's how he feels about him. Here's how he. Uh, thinks about them. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. And uh, of course, that is something that we should be doing for all the people and that we know that are close to us in fellowship. Verse 13 of chapter 2, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it is really the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. He's thanking God. Thanking Him dearly uh, that they received that Word. Of course, if they're God's people, they're going to. But He's thankful always for that sense. And He was the one that came in to, uh, to the city and brought that forth to them. Uh, you got to like that verse. Um, chapter 2, verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while, taken away, persecution, in person, not in spirit. So His Spirit is with them, right? Not in person, not in bodily form. We're all the more eager, with great desire, to see your face. Eager to see them. Um matter of fact, 18 says, For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. He was going to make way somehow, but it was not to be that he was able to get there. He was hindered some way. But he just doesn't want to abandon them. So that's the way that you know we feel when we know there are people that God has put in our lives. We have the truth. You think he could stand any kind of separation that he had from all of his churches? And yet he, he was separated constantly, wasn't he? Um, he couldn't tolerate just being in one place. And those churches scattered out where he had set all these other churches up. No communication. And like I say, the best communication that he has is be able to send some of the other workers, fellow workers with him uh, to go out to them. How many, uh, how many people typically traveled with Paul? Several sometimes. Um, 
course, uh, in this case, you know, you have Timothy, you have, uh, you have Silas. Um, of course, a lot of times Luke would be traveling with him. Uh, he could have um, quite a crew. And then he would send some of them out or he would go alone for a particular time period, but it, like at, uh, let's say, Athens. And he sent them back. Of course, and this is where we're at here this time. He's going to take Timothy and send him on back to Thessalonica. Who's with him, right? Go with him, yeah. So, th- what's what's uh, good here says, therefore, when we could endure it no longer. Now, usually that word endure is hupomeno. In this case, it's actually stegeo. And it means um, a covering. It's like a protection. It's like a, a roof. Um, and you can say, how does that fit in? Um, it's something to conceal something in that sense. Um, he couldn't conceal it any longer. He's got to take the roof off, you know, in the sense that uh, I can't stand this any longer. You know, I can't hold this within me. I've got to do something, right? You guys ever had that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something's got to do. Yeah. I mean, can, we can identify with Paul here. We can go right through here and say, well, this is the great Apostle Paul. And look at all his great doctrine and look at the mighty works that he did. Now he just opens up his heart and he says, we can say, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, he gets on that level. That's, that's when you know you want to you minister to people. Whether you have a name for that or whether you don't, we're all ministers, we're all servants of the Lord, right? So, one one reason that he's concerned, probably one of the biggest, is that they're under persecution. He left while he was being persecuted. They are under persecution. It's only a few months. They're a baby church. They had no mature leadership. So when we think about that, next time we'll, that we read Thessalonians, let's say by ourselves, just happen to be reading the Bible, and we we go in there. If that'll stick in our minds, this was a young church, but they're a model church. They're really a church that you know what God has in mind, and there have been uh, books written about this church at Thessalonica, and uh, it's it's uh, it's very helpful as we look at it. This is this is be one that I'd recommend um, pastors to to read. So you're saying there's like historical evidence of the events that took place here, besides the word event. Well, in it in itself, mm-hmm. um, as far as what you know, Paul's relating here, and we know, right. and the book of Acts, right. in ch- chapter 17, you have Thessalonica. We see what happened there, mm-hmm. and then we see how he was rushed out of town. Right. He had to get out, and they went to Berea. Of course, he had to keep leaving. <laughs> Gospel was not received very well by some people. By others, it was. So you have difficulties, you have hostility, and yet we've already seen and we've read the passages where he's thanking God because of the work of faith, the labor of love, the steadfastness of hope that they have, the receiving of the word, and they were hungry after it. They didn't have, they didn't have the Bible in, in its completed sense. You know, I mean, they they had the teaching from Paul and Timothy and Silas, and uh, so you know that's pretty incredible. You know that, and now that's why you know he's uh, he's really concerned. So he writes a letter and writes two letters to him, and that had to be encouraging to them to to receive that. 
I think it's, a, it's an extreme affection. Deep. Uh, he has a deep separation, so he has a deep affection. Wants to be with his people. And, you know, I keep saying there's feelings here, and, and feelings do really do come into place if they're put in the right order. You know, we have fact, we have faith, and then we have feelings. You know, God created those, but it has to be in its proper proper areas. So, but I don't want to write emotions off. I tend to maybe do that sometimes whenever I'm hitting with doctrine. And you know, let's let's here's the faith in that doctrine, but then the emotional sentiment is there. But it, it's not simply an emotional sentiment here, uh, and just leave it at that. Uh, he wants them t- to be protected. He wants them to be perfected. Uh, he wants them to uh, have strong uh, encouragement and that they'd be growing in the Lord and maturity. Um, and it wasn't just for fellowship to have with them. You know, we, we long for that with God's people, don't we? One of the reasons why people meet together and discuss God's Word. But um, he, he's distressed over their spiritual infancy. He wants them to mature even more, even as much as they already have. So that's why I say this is an all-the-time responsibility. It never leaves. Even if you want it to leave for a few minutes, it's still there. <laughs> it doesn't go away. It's there. If God puts it into your heart to do any ministry, it you know you'd like it for it to just disappear for maybe certain times. And it's unrelenting. There you go. You're smiling back there, Alan. <laughs> Well, that's that's an affection that he has. Um, the next next one is unselfishness, and actually we see that in one and two and three. I have it two and three on the outline. It says, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we went we sent Timothy, our brother. God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. This is why he's here. He uses the word we there, and it's very unselfish. Um, who the we is, it's definitely Paul. Could be Silas for a little bit, but we notice when he went to Athens, it was basically. You know him. A lot of times we say we we'll see you later. I do that all the time. You know, it could mean Carolyn and me are saying that, or it could mean hey, me and the rest of the church are saying that, or it could be saying rather than saying I, I I find myself saying we right. quite a bit. Hey, we'll see you later. You ever done that? Me, it reminds yeah. me of in Genesis when God said, "Let us make man in our image." I think it's kind of like the same. The unity of the Trinity there. Referring to the people who are with him, or maybe him and the Lord, like maybe the Lord putting in his heart, he can't take it. Maybe he's receiving that as, like, Lord, obviously you want me to go back. (laughs) That's a good thought there. Constantly on my heart. But you know what? Whenever he says, let us, Mm -hmm. it's a very early notation of the triune God. Let us, and of course, you see that. You even see it in Genesis chapter one. You see a triune God. And even you, in Job, when it's plurality. God's like, who can counsel me? You know, who can counsel me? Can man counsel me? No, man cannot counsel. So when the Lord said, "Let us," 
I always ask myself, he's got to be talking to, you know, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, because who else would counsel with God? Who does God need permission or authority from? Yeah, they always had they had a tremendous fellowship, didn't they? (laughs) And they agreed on everything. (laughs) That's something that nobody can do on everything with everybody else, right? But God, that's a tremendous thought. Perfect unity. Well, he definitely had a uh, Timothy uh, was definitely had a good unity there with Paul and and the whole. They were teammates, weren't they? They were fellow workers. They were teammates. And you always tell when somebody cares by the way that they sacrifice. And now Paul could use Timothy in a lot of ways, and he's going into areas where he's never been. You need all the people that you can get, right? And he's going to take Timothy. Says you gotta have to go down to Thessalonica. You're gonna have to go there, and this even meant that this probably is leaving Paul alone in in some venture here. Um, go to Acts 17, 14 and 15. This is Thessalonica chapter, but it's right after that. You have Berea. Verse 10 says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away. So there's Paul, there's Silas. They go to Berea, right? Um, If we go to 14, Then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. So you're Berea, now we're at the seaside, right? You had Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Silas and Timothy evidently are remaining there. Now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. There's an escort receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible. So now he gets his escort, but he goes into Athens and he doesn't have Timothy or Silas at his side. It's him. But he wants them to come soon. Yeah. Um, and we know in Athens he was waiting for them. And so there, um, I think we, we see that uh, he, he is alone. So anytime that he would send out some valuable men, it was a sacrifice. You lose somebody, but they're going to use it to minister to somebody else. The Thessalonians know of these other men that were with Paul. So the fact that he's saying we, I think he knows, I think he is referring to the other men that he has. It can be some people that are that have escorted him, that are surrounding him. And, and a lot of times, and that is the case. And sometimes, whenever he's saying that, he is saying it because he's, he, you know, he's not an I kind of person. And, and and you're right. So you know, we you see different comments on that, but we realize that most of the ones that he was with at that time, at least in Athens, um, but God always brings him to other people, though, too. Look at chapter 18. This is where he goes. He's had Athens. Now, after Athens, he goes to where? Corinth. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. There's where he runs into who? Aquila and Priscilla. 
as they get to minister together. And then verse 5 says, but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, so he gets united back with them again. So he sent maybe like a messenger? He sent his own men back to go get Silas and Timothy? Well, sometimes you know he tells them to meet in a certain place, but sometimes uh, he he gets like we've been in Corinthians, mm-hmm. and he is such a hurry to get there or to, to to move on that he waits, but they're not there, so he hopes to run into them very soon somewhere else. So you know we're over Macedonia, we're in, you know in the the area of Greece and. You know he's ministering in different ways, but it's amazing. You know, of course, God's all in on this too. Right. It's not by accident, but there he runs into them at um, in, in Corinth, Silas and Timothy. No, so, they got together. Right? Oh yeah, right. they're spirit filled. Sure are. Timothy, he's a new add-on, right? Well, yeah, it hasn't been too long, and that's what's amazing too. How quickly that. He picked up. Of course, he had been taught by his mother and his grandmother, so he got really good basics. Paul seems to be the one who led him to the Lord. It seems like he's the father in the faith, uh, or if nothing else, he's the one that made him very strong. But most tend to would say that uh, he's the father of Timothy. Timothy is a son in the faith to him. All that he meant. So, but they he had been taught well very grounded and by the time that Paul gets that forth it's um, that's why you know Timothy was very much so very much so and that's all through here this matter of fact this book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit this is the power of God's Spirit working through the apostles now a lot of titles will say does yours say the acts of the apostles and it is but it's really the power of God's Spirit that is working in, in all this. Now, I have the Acts of the Apostles in mind. Most yeah, of your Bibles will say that. But a lot of commentarians will, will, will say that uh, ultimately it's God's Spirit that is working through them. But, but it's both. You know, He works in us. We don't really do anything, but yet, let's say if we use our mouths or if we use our, our service, but ultimately we still say it was God working in me. It sure wasn't me. Yeah. I wouldn't have done that alone. I don't have that power. <laughs> okay, um, how about 1 Corinthians 4.17? 1 And this is dealing with the Corinthians. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved, and faithful child in the Lord. There we go. And He will remind you of My ways which are in Christ just as I teach everywhere in every church. He's going to remind you probably a lot of the same things that they'd already learned. But it's good to be reminded. We don't teach... We don't try to teach anything new here. We try to teach the old truths of the Gospel. Only we we want to be able to grow in that, to learn something new out of these truths that are truth, but not something, you know, to overwhelm people just to come up with something. And of course, that's what the false teachers did. They'd teach new things that really weren't truth. So, um, do you know when they started using the word church? Because I remember back when Jesus and the apostle, you know, Paul, they would go to the synagogues. 
So did they still go into the synagogues? Or did they, or they just kind of go into the churches that they established? In well, let's see. I, so I don't know if you, because I just, when you read that, I just, when, when the word church pops up there. Of course, when you say church, you're right. But what, what church means is um, uh, ecclesia. That's the called out ones. And if you want to go back to the Old Testament, that was also used for believers too. Of course, the the church as we see here in this New Testament time period—that's what you're yeah. you're talking about there. They were. Um, it's kind of interesting. They were called Christians first. Where at Antioch? Do you remember that? Um, you first see what Jesus talks about the church and the Gospels. And he says, "And um, I will build my church, my called out ones." And from there on out, I mean, that's that's really where it starts. And of course, we know he's the chief cornerstone of the church, and he's the foundation of the church, really. Um, and of course, his word is. So that's really where it's first used. And of course, as it develops, you know, of course, people recognize. And of course, what you know, Paul will use it, you know, to the church at where. Yeah. Right, and that's how they understood it. They yeah. never saw it as, never as, as a hey, let's go to the church. Yeah, the church. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's why a lot of historians can't think that the official churches of Christianity because they were this home gathering of the people. Right. Right. Uh, Philippians 2, 19 and 20. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> he kept Timothy busy. They would get together. They would do some ministry and Paul would send Timothy on out. So that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. I have no one else of kindred spirit who will generally be concerned for your welfare. And I think he had others around him. I think at that time, a lot of them were were out ministering somewhere else. <laughs> he says, "This is this is the last one I have with me." Would you say that he was unselfish in having Timothy go out and minister? It's awful easy to say, "Man, I need you. <laughs> you you stay here," but can't do that. God has something else in mind, right? I can identify with that. Uh, well, we're planning to go here. Uh, and so, that's where Timothy is going to go. By the way, he says, uh, he does say, we thought it best to be left behind or left alone at Athens alone. And of course, we just read the Athens thought there. The word for left alone there or left behind. Oh, that could get us into another um, eschatology thing again, right? It means to be abandoned, forsaken, grieved, bereaved. That's what Paul uses there. We thought it best to be abandoned at Athens alone because Timothy needs to go and minister. Right? Needs to... Needs to come to you, you know this 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 brother. Um, one of the great needs in the body of Christ, I think, is more Timothys. 
he's he's out there ready to to go. You know, Paul gets all the uh, accolades, I guess, when we we think of the, the great epistles and the doctrine. But you know, we we can't forget about Timothy and and all the people that um, that he touched. And of course, Paul used him. He um, he definitely made sure that uh, his people that were really getting the gospel out that they'd be moved around. He wanted Timothy to go in there and to help mature them, to make sure that they are committed the way that they were when they received the Word. But, you know, all believers should be able to do this to some degree, shouldn't they? They should be able to mature others and minister to others. And, of course, if you know if they may not know as much as you do, then you get to share those truths and really... Really precious thing. That's that's how God uses His church to minister. Uses everybody in it. They have the gifts to do it. Uh, we sent Timothy, our brother, and so there's the family. We we'll keep that family thought going along, and God's fellow worker, fellow worker, to be able to minister to others is understand, accept the fact that we're more more than just a brother, but we are fellow workers. We're on the same team. We have to work together. We're teammates. That's what a fellow worker is. Uh, the word is soon ergon. Um, and ergon is work. Soon uh, come together to bring... To, you think of synagogue, an assembly of people that come together. Sin, synagogue. Soon ergon. Ergon work. Uh, it's fellow worker. To work together. Um, Isn't that an honor? I mean, it is. Right. right. We don't do things on our own, do we? No. We work I mean, together. To be Avell's fellow worker or Genesis' yeah. fellow worker, I mean, that's, that's nice. Right. But to be God's fellow worker? Exactly. We're, I mean, wow. Yeah. That's right. No days off. <laughs> God's fellow worker. Yeah, don't don't forget that. That's just a little word there that is huge. It's God, and God's fellow worker. He's the one that uh, chose us and put us together to work together. Um, it's not by accident, is it? When you go to serve with each other, what's that? I mean, I would wonder if if, if that's what it says in the Greek, because it could be that it means God's like fellow workers under God. Mm-hmm. Belonging to Him, you know, that's the reason. What's well, like fellowship? First uh, John chapter one talks about the fellowship that we have. Our fellowship is in Christ, and then as a result of that, that's why we have fellowship. So, by us belonging to Him, First uh, John one is um, yeah. That's and I think that would be the context uh, here. Um, I'm not saying it puts us on the same plane as God. No, I, I, know. I, I, uh, I don't have a, a problem with your interpretation. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Well, here it talks about fellowship. It's along the same lines. You know, you're talking fellow worker. But in verse 3, What we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you also that you too may have fellowship with us. There's fellowship amongst believers. And indeed, our fellowship, and there's what qualifies it all, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So, we 
out of obedience and out of our own desire that He put into us, we are a worker underneath the Lord and what a privilege it is. And then we have others who are workers under Him. So we're fellows together under the Lord. I like the last verse there, verse 4, and it says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Oh, yeah. To me, that's like, you know, we work under our managers and managers under them, and then, you know, there's some enjoyment, but I mean, you know, do the job. <laughs> but when we're working for God, as His basically employee, sort of, in a way to speak, completes our joy. It completes it. And to me that's kind of cool because it's because, you know, the joy is complete, it's fulfilled. The joy is and we seek joyful things in the world and that's how we're led astray. And we're never completed of our joy is never satisfied. But in the works of the Lord it is complete. And to me that's kind of cool. Yeah, do, um, even, cool. even the most mundane things are regular Job that sometimes we forget why we're there and we, we think, what does this have to do with my Christian walk? What does this have to do with God? It has everything to do with God. Matter of fact, everything that we do does. And he, don't you think that He cares about that job? But sometimes I can get nonchalant in my thought about that job and it's just as important as anything else that we'd have because uh, whether we show... God's glory, whether they get it or not, we're giving God glory in that we realize this job He gave to me, this job which allows to be able to pay bills, to whatever it is, the Lord has given this to us, right? And and whatever we do, we are to give glory to God. Well, this is a thing that we do all day long. And we spend more hours on that than probably almost anything else. You know, if you work eight hours a day, that's forty hours a week. That's quite a lot. Um, and so it's it's kind of interesting. That's a third of our days, isn't it? And it's not an accident. And really, we might be working for that boss, but really, we're really working for the Lord because. And it's not an accident where you have to be at that time. We realize, okay, this is where. He has me. This is how He's going to, to teach me. This is how, who knows how many things there are within that. That uh, the means to uh, be able to meet the needs. Uh, so yeah, it's, we have we we have fellow co-workers at at our work, but the co-workers it is that are in the Lord is even more important, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, you have the family, which think of Thessalonians, or you have the fellow workers who are still brothers and sisters. I have Colossians three twenty three twenty four. Uh, we need to hear that out every time, don't we? We need to keep that ever before us because it's easy to forget. Do you have it in front of you right now? You want to go ahead and read it? Yeah. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you you will receive the inheritance as your reward. That's serving the Lord Christ. There you go. That's joy right there. Yeah, that's certainly.
Okay, so he says, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. So we're all out in the fields working, whether we're working side by side or uh, we come and we see each other, you know, a couple times a week, you know, that kind of thing. We're working together, whether we happen to be side by side or not, you know. And, and of course, we hear about somebody you're dealing with, and oh, well, that we get to work in that. Maybe just prayer, if nothing else. If we never meet them. But the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ. So you have God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. It's awful easy to kind of gloss over those because we see it so much. But that's what it's about, isn't it? God's gospel of Christ. And here it is. Here's the last one, point three. So that, right? So that they'd be strengthened and encouraged as to your faith. Strengthened and encouraged. Two key words. Strengthened is sterizo. Kind of reminds you of steroids, doesn't it? <laughs> Support to stabilize, to strengthen, to buttress. That's the idea. It points to one of the basic needs of all Christians. That's spiritual stability. You ever feel weak spiritually sometimes? We need to be built up. We need to be strengthened. Man, inherently, he's born as an unstable emotional wreck. You can see why everybody, you know, they follow their emotions and some of them are, just, are really that. They're wrecks, emotional wrecks. Because they're led by their emotions and that's all they know. So they go by the emotions. And uh, boy, you're in all sorts of trouble when you follow your emotions without the facts and the faith. Mentally, spiritually, a tendency to, to fluctuate constantly. Uh, moods go up and down. Viewpoints, attitudes, behavior—they can be caused by all sorts of sorts, sorts of varied problems, can't they? It, they all come our way. It's problems in life, trials, temptations, uh, personal weaknesses that we've always had, we still have. Um, ignorance of biblical truth. <laughs> If we are ignorant of biblical truth, then what what is happening is our eyes come off of the Lord. Keep your eyes on Christ, right? Seek for Him in, in the truth, uh, or else we can start being disobedient. And the stability that we have now becomes weakened. It's been shot at. Cannons coming from the enemies in all ways. Timothy was to come in there and remove all the instability that he was going to find. Even at that. That'd be a fun job. Yeah. <laughs> Where in verse 3 does it use the word strengthen? In verse 2. <laughs> we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the Gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you. I have verse 3 and 4. I have these numbers kind of out of whack here a little bit. This whole context here kind of kind of hard to divide up. But yeah, I, that's actually in verse 2. Sorry about that, Barb. I don't even have it in verse 2. What word do you have there? We're talking about worker in the Gospel of Christ to... Establish right there. Establish. That's That would be the idea of strengthen. It means to establish, support, Sterizo, yeah. Uh, look in chapter 3, verse 13. 
This is what it's all about. This is why we're here tonight. Do you know that? We're here to help us be a little more established, to be more strengthened. His Word can do that. It will do that. Verse 13. Guess what, Barb? That's what he uses here. So that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all these things. And even establish your hearts. How about chapter 4, verse 1? Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. What's he saying there? You are walking it. You are excelling, but we want you to what? Excel even more. You know what that means? You can't be stagnant. You you know you can see somebody grow and they can do really good and you can say well, hey that's they're about as far as they need to go that's ridiculous isn't it there is constant growing for all the ones who seem the most established they still have to be strengthened um, but they are to be established even more chapter uh, one of Ephesians eighteen and nineteen. I think it's a it's a prayer here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. That's how you get strengthened. Um, that's a great prayer. Matter of fact, I think don't you have that? In, you put that in on um, Bibles. Isn't that one of your your yes, verses that there? One of my verses. Yeah. Isn't that one of our prayers that we have for people? If you don't have that a prayer for people, sometimes you're you're trying to think of a good prayer. Well, that right there tells it all. Because I can't think of something even more biblical that you can pray for somebody that uh, they would they they would be enlightened and they'd know the hope of God's calling and the riches of His glory and His power. There's where strength sets in right there. The strength of His might, and that's the idea. Acts fourteen twenty and twenty one. Acts 14, as Paul would go through, start churches, he would come back and strengthen them even more. It says in Acts 14, verse 20, But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe, and they had preached the gospel to that city, and he had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. That's places that he had been. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, and here's encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Here's your promise. He just got stoned and they thought he was dead. That's why they left him alone. Right before That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. There, you know, you said strengthening is sterizo. Mm-hmm. There, it's episterizontes. Oh, even upon. Hey, that's good. You, 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 you I had that got that. There you go. So when you get that epi, it goes, yeah. it builds over on it. It multiplies it, doesn't it? I like also, when you said, when he calls them the... 
disciples instead of apostles. Like what you said last Sunday is that about the apostles, you know, that they are the only apostles. And that kind of verifies it right there. He's going back to the disciples. Right. Not back to any apostles, just the disciples. And that means uh, they're they're learners, and and we all that's what we are. We're disciples. That's what our job We're is disciples. To make disciples. I thought that was yeah, yeah very good. See, you, you catch on certain words, and you can just kind of just think on one word sometimes, and you know maybe look it up, and and then look around some other passages, and that gets exciting. You know, wow, yeah, that, that's a key word because go and make disciples. Right. That's our biggest one of our biggest. Uh, commands that we have in the church. Go and make disciples. Make followers. Make learners. It definitely puts a bridge between us normal people and the apostles and even the apostles from Christ. Because the Christ is the Messiah and then the apostles and then the disciples and it just kind of it prevents people from running around saying, well, I'm an apostle. Right, yeah, and that's confusing because we have so much of that today. I've met tons of them. This is Apostle Bob, or whatever. I've never actually met I kid you not. They've come in this. Oh, I, I met them in the store. I, I saw it frequently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they claim themselves as apostles. Nothing is sacred. That's a. Not incredible. Well, you should. Barb, you should. That's the whole problem. You shouldn't be like, Which 12 are you? Which is the apostle? Bob? I think they wrote about you. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that in here. And I, what, what chapter did you say? Like, wow, you're really Oh, here was Paul to the Romans. Did you know that Paul got encouraged and strengthened by other Christians too? Of course he did. He's just a man like us, right? But God put him in a position, just like there are pastors and teachers, and you have deacons, and we're all. In verse 12, he says in chapter 1 of Romans, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you, while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. So he was going to go there to get a little from them, too, wasn't he? As he was able to share with them. Amazing how that works, isn't it? Could be soon. It'd be nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Uh, we see the word strengthen, and then you get the word encourage, and that's that in, uh, word that is so familiar to all of us. Parakaleo, the Paraclete. There we go. What's it mean? <laughs> Come alongside. Courage. Yeah, come alongside, uh, literally, uh, to exhort, entreat, comfort, the paraclete, Holy Spirit. That is our great comforter. All of us play this part, though. But uh, he's, he sent Timothy so that they be strengthened. We, we looked at that. And then we also see in verse 2 that encourage, and we see those two words that Paul uses quite frequently. The goal was to help them rest or trust in God's provision, all that God was going to do, and God's sovereignty, all of God's control, uh, they could have very easily been unstable, uh, very discouraged. I don't see that they were, but 
I'm sure they could have been overcome had they not gotten some encouragement as it went on. Um, but you know, instability comes because of the faith is weak and it's out of focus, if we can say that, focused on the wrong object, and so easily that that can happen. And it's four times in this section, I think, verses one through eight, that he is talking about this idea here. Uh, one of the goals of faith, obviously, is for stability. Uh, that people wouldn't have ups and downs in their life. You know, we we want the ups, but I mean, you know, to to go up and down. You know, the roller coaster ride. We we don't want that. And that's that's a, one of the reasons for the church and all of us to be uh, ministering in that way. What's the goal of strengthening and encouraging? And we finish with this. Um, well, we see in verse four it says, "For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you." in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, you heard about it, Paul had more afflictions. They're in this thing too. They're going, does this this happen all the time? (laughs) (laughs) For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. That's why I'm telling you I'm sending Timothy. For fear that the tempter might be tempted you, tempted have, might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Well, that'd be a terrible thing. All that Paul did and be in vain and be empty. To not be disturbed. Uh, the goal of strengthening here in this sense, and or at least taking it verse 4, uh, we kept telling you that we were going to suffer affliction. Um, we don't want you to be disturbed. And we can back up in verse 3 and see that so that no one would be disturbed the word there is sino, and it means to wag back and forth, um, like a ship being tossed about on the ocean. The principle here is that they would have knowledge of biblical truth, good Bible doctrine. That's how we're strengthened. There are no shortcuts, and it's being in His truth staying in it, providing the the very basis for spiritual stability. So when suffering comes along, when the trial comes along, when the temptation comes along, boom, this Word is right on our hearts. It's right at the tip of our tongue. We're ready to speak it. I mean, it's it's in our blood. It's Bibline, right? As Spurgeon said, why, why they shouldn't be shaken. Is is here? That's the idea. To, uh, disturbed, wagging back and forth, uh, faint-hearted. shaken, faint-hearted. Um, well, because if they were already taught about suffering and that it is going to come, Jesus said that to the disciples. He said, "This is." And Peter didn't want to hear anything of that. Remember that? Nobody wants to hear about that. But he says, "If you know that that is part of." The gospel. This is part of your life. It's part of your ministry. And by the way, here we get into a little bit of the sovereignty of God because um, he uh, he says at the end of verse three, and I'm kind of going back at verse three, four, and five. At the end of verse three, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this, for being afflicted. 
sufferings appointed by God. And we'll end on this. It's time to end. Philippians. And see, that was the notation right there that we are to quit. But I have to end at least with a Scripture to back that up. For to you, it has been granted. It's been given to you. It's been graced by you. It's been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him. That's right, right? God gives us the grace. It is. It comes by Him. Not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Wow. Really. Paul told them about that before. Look at 1 Peter 4.12. We'll close. I promise. 1 Peter 4.12. And Paul or Peter is writing to people who are scattered all over the place. And he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of the glory you may rejoice with exultation. There's the balance. If we just talked about tribulation and trials and we didn't have anything we were shooting for, and we get we get in on God's glory here, you know, we give the glory back to him, but don't be surprised if you have a fiery ordeal. That's part of the package. This is how I use these things to make you stronger. So if we remember what these things are about, then it can help us as we have been strengthened. Does that make sense? A little section there. Yeah, Bob. Before you close in prayer, um, you guys might want to keep in your prayers members of the five churches that Westboro Baptist is going to be picketing this Sunday here in Jeff City. The famous church from Kansas. Yeah. They're coming here to picket First Baptist. Um, Capital West Christian, Fairgrounds Church of Christ, Bible Baptist, and St. Joseph Cathedral. What is going on? Westboro Baptist Church. Where do you go? Look It's a long story. The website is They They have a lot of truths. But the way they uh, bring it out is very sad. Yeah. Their terminology and the way it's presented. And it makes the body of Christ, the true believers, look bad whenever the world sees this and they put it on the news and it's, well, that's the way Christians are. But they're picketing churches. That's even easier. Yeah. My question is, is, is that what they do on Sundays? And I guess they don't go and worship on Sundays then, right? So anyway.